0: Happy birthday to the earth. Happy birthday to the earth. Happy birthday, dear earth. Happy birthday, dear earth. I'm going to I'm going to like going to look around everywhere in Littleton to pick up trash.
1: That's wonderful, Morgan. To
0: help the earth stay healthy.
1: Yeah. What other things can you do to help the earth stay healthy?
0: can't remember the other things
1: do you recycle
0: yeah i recycle
1: you do mm-hmm. your beer bottles
0: i do not drink beer
1: oh that's right i forgot <laughs> you're too old okay too young oh i mean too young i my mistake what other things can you do to help the earth
0: uh feed it food
1: feed it food
0: I'm not sure how to
1: do that. Well, you could do something called composting. Have you ever uh, heard of that?
0: No, but I think you post things to help the earth.
1: Post things to help the earth. Uh-huh. Post them where on Facebook?
0: No. Post them where In this in the world.
1: In the soil or in the dirt?
0: Not in the dirt, then no one would see it.
1: Hey, yum's the word Haven't you heard? The yum's the word? It was started by a bird My name is Robin And her hair has lots of curls Actually, I blow it out a lot stories, some Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend Pretty funny and absurd Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds And cool people too This is for everyone Except kids Yum's the word Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard my niece Morgan talking about cleaning the earth. Oh, so, so sweet. Um, I actually am very, very green. It's one of the reasons I love Canadians, because they are so good about recycling. Anyway, I actually even have three garbage cans in my apartment and I am on top of my recycling game. I remember about nine years ago, I was working at this one ad agency and I was in this room that they called the fishbowl where they put all of the freelance creatives. And they had an issue with their water cooler where they did not alert the freelancers to the fact that the water cooler was contaminated. Uh, with god knows what. Um, So eventually, like a month later, we got word that we should not be drinking the water. It's very helpful. Anyway, so people started bringing in bottled water. And because I'm so green, I started collecting everybody's bottles under my desk in a large plastic bag that I got from the housekeeping staff. And one time somebody came in from like HR and they were talking to an operations person and they're like, what is this? Pointing to my bag. I could clearly hear them. And the other person goes, oh, Robin likes to recycle like it's a crime. It is not a crime, people. Happy Earth Day, everybody. So because Earth Day is coming up today, we are going to hear stories connected to Mother Earth. First up is Carrie Doherty. Carrie has written for the Goldbergs on ABC. She's written and performed on MTV, HGTV, Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, and she co-hosts this awesome podcast called Out on the Lanai, dedicated to every single episode of the Golden Girls. Carrie's story was recorded live four years ago. The theme of the night? Rocky Road Stories of Danger. This is her story about how the furry friends we share the planet with got in her way.
2: In 2010, I had lived in New York City for four years, and in that time, had occupied five different apartments, none of which I ever truly called home. And I'm not a nomadic person by nature. I do not enjoy the process of moving. I just never really fell in love uh, with any of the apartments that I lived in, so whenever my lease was up, I would just move on to the next place. And a few years ago, I thought I finally found the apartment that I really wanted to stay in for the long haul. It was an expansive two-bedroom on the ground floor of a Park Slope brownstone, and had been on the market for 13 minutes when my roommate and I made the appointment, saw it, put the deposit down, and signed the lease. And this place was beautiful. It had giant rooms, it had hardwood floors, exposed brick, laundry in the basement, a dishwasher, giant windows, and was surprisingly affordable for like two 20-somethings, like doing just okay financially. Uh, but the greatest thing about this apartment was it had this enormous backyard. And so my roommate and I get this place, we move in, we start painting the walls, uh, we plant a vegetable garden out back and flowers, and we put a grill out there and a patio set we have a little herb box in the window that has like thyme and rosemary and dill and I'm starting to realize as we're settling in that what I was really looking for in an apartment in the city was like just a little slice of country life. Because like I grew up in you know the suburbs. So all I really wanted was like a little garden where I could go pick a pepper and then make an omelet and go into Manhattan. So I was really, really falling in love with this place and thought that I finally found that apartment that I wanted to to call home. And then Norman came along, and Norman was small and gray and had a really long tail. And I first met Norman when I was eating uh, lunch at the kitchen table one day. <clears throat> I looked up from my cheese and cheese sandwich and saw this little mouse staring back at me. I screamed, he blinked twice, and then ran under the oven. So my roommate comes home later that night, and I am freaking out, because like I grew up, my family had no less than seven cats patrolling the perimeter of the yard at the time. I never once saw a live mouse, not in my house. <clears throat> so my roommate comes home, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, we have a mouse. Like, can the apartment get condemned? Does it shit everywhere? Like, how does this work? Are we going to have to move out? And he's like, no, no, calm down. I've, I've had a mouse before. It's really easy. I have a humane trap. We'll catch him. We'll release him. Very easy. And I was like, okay, great. So we name our mouse Norman because all pets, even the unwanted ones, in your house should have names. It's just a polite thing to do. And we go about trying to catch Norman. So we have this little green house, and you bait it with like a cracker and peanut butter and the mouse sees the treat, climbs in, a little trap door closes, and then has a nice little snack to eat while you go release it. Um, so we set this thing up in our kitchen where I see Norman near the oven and uh, we set it up. We don't know if it's going to take 10 minutes or if it's going to take a week, so we just leave it there. We go into our living room to watch a movie for the night. It's like 10 minutes into the movie, and we hear a click from the kitchen. So we go out, and there's Norman in the little house. His little tail is coiled up. We're like, wow, five minutes. Thanks, Norman. That was great. So we decide we're going to take Norman down to Prospect Park to release him, because we had read If you release a mouse at least a mile away from where you live, it won't be able to find its way back. And we did not want Norman coming back. So we're like skipping down to the park so excited that we've caught Norman. We're like holding up the little house for each other, all proud, like it's like a a prized tuna catch or like our baby's first shit or something, like all excited. And we get to the park and we go out into a long stretch of grass. And uh, we, we open the little door and we do a sort of Clark Griswold-esque uh, tongue drum roll, we're like Durr. and Norman flies out, we're like, bye Norman, it's been swallowed, the swelling's been down, whatever, next to So uh, we start going back to the apartment, and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I you know, I thought Norman was gonna wreck the apartment, and I just, whew, I'm so glad that you got this figured out. So we get back to the apartment and uh, my roommate he starts like setting up and baiting the trap again, and I'm like, what are you doing? We already caught Norman. And he's like, well, you know, we've got the trap. We live on the ground floor. If another mouse ever finds its way back, we've got the house. And I was like, good thinking. That's why you're my roommate. So he sets the thing up. We go back into the living room to finish our movie. It was still my my choice, not his, because he's he's a guy. Um, And we're watching the movie, and it's like 20 minutes later, we hear click. We hear the door close again. So we go out into the kitchen, and I look down, and there's this mouse that looks exactly like Norman. And I'm like, okay, maybe we had two mice. My roommate's not saying anything. So we walked to the park, this time a little bit faster. We forfeit our tongue drum roll, we just kind of release it, turn on heel, come home. We get back and my roommate very quietly starts setting up the house again. And I'm like, this isn't gonna be some kind of problem, is it? By the next morning, we had caught four more mice. Norman it seemed had a family and we had an infestation. So we call our landlord, who lives directly above us, and we leave her a voicemail. We're like, hey landlord, we have mice help. At the end of the day, we end up getting this uh, note tacked to our door from our landlord, along with a PETA pamphlet, and the note just says, we're all God's creatures. Which is bullshit, because she lives above us. We smell her like burning animal flesh like four nights a week, so she's being lazy. So it is up to us to fight this battle. So we turn into an army of two. We start putting all of our food into giant Tupperware containers so the mice can't get at it. We're just constantly wiping up their shit, which sometimes I was stood for brown rice and I accidentally licked my finger and whatever. Um, and we, we would take Brillo pads and plug them in, in all of the holes. And like we were a catch and release machine, the two of us. We're just catching them left and right. We don't even go to the park together anymore. We work in shifts. Our friends and our family don't hear from us. We're breaking plans left and right. We're calling in sick to work. Like we are in it. And the thing about the mice is that when we first started seeing them, when we realized there was more than one, we would only like see them at night and it would just be in like the kitchen near the oven. But then it's almost as if word got around like the Brooklyn mouse community that we weren't killing them, that we were just releasing every single one. So, so it was, like, the mice started to get really, really ballsy. Like we would we'd be in the shower and they would come into the bathroom and like peek at us through the shower and we'd be doing dishes in the sink and they would just run along like, Dad, I see you. And then at, at night they would climb up our curtains like little circus just rodents and just stare down. It's as bad as it sounds. <laughs> One night I'm lying in my bed and I just suddenly wake up and I'm very alert and I just I have this feeling that I'm like being judged. So I turned my light on and I looked down on the floor, I swear there were two of them, and they were just staring back at me. And I mean, I had seen so many at this point, like I was no longer afraid, and I looked right at them and I was like, look, I don't care how many babies you have, or how many times you shit under the oven so that when we turn it on, the whole apartment smells like diarrhea. I am not giving up my perfect apartment. Two weeks later, we had logged the caption release of over 40 mice. We weren't eating. We weren't sleeping. We hadn't seen our friends and family. Our garden was overgrown with weeds. Our vegetables were rotting. Our herbs were wilting. Everything had just gone to shit. But I still did not want to give up the dream of the perfect apartment. So I had this struggle of not knowing what to do and I could not make a decision for the life of me on if we should stay or go. And then something happened. A man knocked on our door and handed us a folder that had foreclosure papers in them. It seemed that our landlord thought that as one of God's creatures, she did not have to pay her mortgage. So we were being forced to move out. We were really, really sad to lose the apartment, but we were kind of relieved that we were being you know, sort of forced out. We were really, really proud of ourselves that we had fought the mice until the end. So a few days later, Uh, we packed up all of our belongings, including our little green mouse house, and moved on to what would now be my sixth apartment in four years. It did not have hardwood floors. It didn't have exposed brick. It didn't have a yard. But in the entire time that I lived there, I did not see one mouse, and therefore was happy to call it home. Thank you.
1: That was Carrie Doherty. You can follow Carrie on Twitter at squid, Eat squid. Now, you may or may not know, but Earth Day also happens to fall on the first night of Passover. Passover always happens at auntie's, and auntie is always unpredictable, and she's always a riot. You never know what she's going to say. In the past, I've brought different Gentile friends with me so they could experience Passover for the first time. And what the Gelfenbeins do is not really representative of what most Jewish families do. Case in point, there was one time she invited her gynecologist to Passover. Now, this gynecologist was my mom's gynecologist, my sister's, both of my sister's gynecologist, auntie's gynecologist. She shows up. I was like, the only vagina you have not seen at the table is mine. Anyway, we start talking about uh, who, you know, some basic things about who she is. My dad's asking her what kind of hobbies she has. And I'm not kidding. She says to my father how much she enjoys deep sea fishing. My sister Lori and I convulsed in laughter because we knew my father had no idea what that was referencing. Um, and she was being completely honest. But because my sister and I are pigs, we thought it was endlessly hilarious. Anyway, I will report back with what happens this year at Passover. In the meantime, here is a little chat I had with Morgan recently about Pesach. That's Passover for all you guys out there. Hey! Do you celebrate Easter? Yeah. <coughs> are, you, are you Christian? I'm
0: Christian.
1: Christian is a kind of religion, and people who are Christian very often celebrate Easter. But you are not Christian. You celebrate Passover, so that makes you... What? Huh. What kind of religion? I don't know. You guessed it yesterday. When you celebrate Hanukkah, and you celebrate Passover, and you celebrate Rosh Hashanah, that means you are? I forget. starts with a J. Jekyll? What?
0: Jekyll? Jekyll? No. What other word starts
1: with a J? Jillian? No. <laughs> it rhymes with blue-ish.
0: Jewish! That's right. Don't be surprised if you start to see some very Jewish titles for our podcast episodes. Our data analytics team, Alex and I, crunched the numbers in a double-blind study and discovered that our episodes that are blatantly Jewish have outperformed our secular episodes by a mile. Therefore, you can expect to see some upcoming shows with titles like Kibitzing and Kivetching Over Kugel, An Altakocker's Lament, or Schmuck's, Schmendrick's, and Schlemiel's Stories of Schmageggies, and my personal favorite, A Very gentle Episode. So, based on that theory, we expect this episode
1: to be the highest one yet. Hi! I dream big. All right, next up is another Morgan, Morgan Pieli. Morgan is the co-host of the live storytelling show Relationship, and he's also appeared on Risk and What Are You Afraid Of? Morgan told this story last year when the theme was brain freeze, stories of panic and anxiety. There were some technical difficulties with the audio at the top that were rectified, so forgive the crackles. This is his story of how being green doesn't always pay off.
3: When I uh, came to New York four years ago um, and decided to be uh, sexually active, I did what a lot of people do, which was I jumped onto OkCupid the way a storyteller jumps onto a metaphor. And I quickly discovered that um, the thing I don't like about online dating is that the first date is really actually kind of the second date. Because like when you're meeting a person in real life, and you just kind of hang out, and you're like, hey, let's get together and get some beers, or get some drinks, or get some coffee. And then you just hang out like people talking about people things. But if it's a first date from OK Cupid or Tinder or something, you're sizing each other up. And then that second date is like a third date. So a couple years ago, this summer, I met up with this woman, Anne, for a first date from OkCupid. And she was a lovely person. We got along great. We did coffee. We were kind of sizing each other up. We started talking about Firefly, so we knew that we were on the same page. The second date, I suggested we go see a movie. The movie is called Stoker. It's directed by the guy who did Old Boy. It is super fucked up. It has molestation, and then there's kind of a rape scene, and it's not what you'd normally think of as a good second date movie. This is really a third date. However, by the end of it, things went really well, and for reasons that I don't understand, we were both frisky, then we went back to my place, and then we had sex with my one emergency condom. That's <laughs> all oh, I had. So then I had to top myself, so I thought, okay, what's a good third date, fourth date? Well, how about a Harry Potter-themed burlesque show? That's a great <laughs> idea, seeing people with barely <laughs> reenacting seems reenacting scenes from your childhood classics. Um, and she said yes, which is either a really good sign or really bad sign. So I get to the theater early, and he's like, "Well, you're gonna have to cool your heels for about a half an hour." Uh, so I'm like, "Okay, well, I have a decent vibe about this date. It is, after all, the third slash fourth date. Maybe I should go and refill the condoms, of which I have none left." So, and this is in Williamsburg, and I go, I walk like two blocks to the Dwayne Reed that's in this Williamsburg. Now. I've never seen a place set up like this before. The way this particular Dwayne Reed had the condoms set up was they're all the way at the back of the Duane Reed, but they're also on these shelves that have these like long plastic garage doors that run the entire length of the shelf, which you have to lift up to get to the sweet, sweet condoms inside. <laughs> now, Mama didn't raise no fool. I am a bargain hunter, savvy customer, so I proceeded to lift up the garage door with the intention of checking quality versus quantity versus price. Have I heard of this? Is this a name brand or just some crappy knockoff? But no sooner do I lift up the door, do I hear "bramp, bramp bra!" and lights start flashing? And I freeze, and I look around, but maybe I won something. I didn't win something. Then my next thought is, maybe they think I'm stealing condoms. And I prepared myself for two large people to like, come and grab me and pull me out. And that didn't happen, but people were starting to look, and I panicked. (laughs) Because on the one hand, I didn't want to just pull my hand away and be like, oh, I was just looking like I'm a prude. But on the other hand, I never wanted to experience this again. So I panic-grabbed an econo-pack of 20 condoms... But this is one of those, like, Soviet-era, like, gray box, very bland. So my next thought, this is all in a fraction of a second, was maybe she wants a spicy night. I should grab a seven-pack of spicy variety condoms. <laughs> and I slam the thing shut, I put it on my arm, and they march to the counter. I pay for my purchases there. Would you like a bag? No, thank you. Would you like the receipt? No, thank you. And I proceed to head back to the burlesque show. Some of you perhaps have noticed the flaw in my plan. It was the summer. I was dressed like this, but without this jaunty number on top. So I had no pockets for the two boxes of condoms I have in my arms. And I'm halfway back to my date. Now, some of you are thinking, well, Morgan, perhaps you could have gone back and asked the proprietress for a bag to put these condoms in. What a wonderful thing to have thought of had that occurred to me. It did not. Also, there's the conspicuous bag that I'd be just carrying around with condoms in it. No, instead, what I did in another moment of just genius panic was I proceeded, still marching towards the burlesque theater, to tear open the boxes of condoms and start stuffing the 27 (laughs) condoms in the pocket. But I ran into a problem, which is this pocket has my keys. And keys are sharp. And keys could cut the condoms, which would defeat the purpose of having bought 27 condoms. So I start pulling them out and shoving them into this pocket, which is normally where I keep my phone. And my phone is terrible and crappy and gets really hot, which could dry out the lubrication. And during coitus, they could crack, which would defeat the purpose of having purchased 27 condoms. So then I start putting them in my back pockets, but I could sit on them. And again, the same scenario plays out in my mind as I'm walking back and I'm shifting the condoms from pocket to pocket to pocket until I've evenly distributed them around my person. I go into the theater looking like I don't understand how shirts work, and I meet <laughs> my date, Ann there, and I'm sucking everything in, and she doesn't seem to be aware of what's going on. Now, this theater, it wasn't a formal space. It was a lot like this. It was just freestanding chairs around, and they had rows of five chairs. And we take our seats, but no sooner do we sit down than a group of uh, several women come in after us, and they all want to sit together. But to do that, they need to drag in a new chair, which kicks me out halfway into the aisle my date, Anne, she turns to me and says, Oh, Morgan, the performers are going to have a field day with you. And I said, Really? Oh, yeah. And sure enough, throughout the course of the Harry potter theme burlesque, a Death Eater tried to make out with me, Snape grounded on my lap, all of these very sexy people doing very sexy things to me, which would have been very sexy if I weren't so concerned that they're going to, like, puncture the condoms in my pocket and sitting on my keys. It was a very stressful night. Now... After the performance, I went out to dinner with Anne, and um, I had to come clean, because one can only both metaphorically and literally sit on 27 condoms for so long, (laughs) and I'm grateful that she found the whole situation very amusing and not terribly presumptuous. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to report that after dinner, we did go back to my place, and after fishing out the twenty-seven condoms from my person, like Bugs Bunny disarming Yosemite Sam, I am happy, to, very happy, to report that we were able to find a use for a condom. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: That was Morgan Pelle going oh natural. You can find Morgan on Twitter at Morgan P. Ellie. That's Morgan P-I-E-L-L-I. Okay. We recently got a review of our podcast from Tammy T2016, who wrote, Yums the Word is my new favorite podcast. Seamless mashup of story, audio, and humor. Kudos to Auntie for being game to let Robin record their phone calls. She's hilarious. Subscribe to this one and listen when you need a smile. Thank you for that, Tammy. Now, if you have been enjoying the podcast, please let us know. You Just give us a quick review on iTunes, and it'll skyrocket us into the new and noteworthy category, which Alex and I are dreaming of. Also, our next live show is Tuesday, April 19th. It's the day before 420. So the theme is Cherry Garcia Stories of Music. We've got some of New York City's best storytellers for this one, including Sandy Marks and Jeff Zimmerman. And all I have to say is that there is a story about Emmanuel Lewis and Pat Benatar that you do not want to miss. You can get tickets and details at yumsthewordshow.com. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Vince Fairchild, Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Megan Deneen, Talia Sharon, Carly Patron, and, of course, Morgan. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. Happy Earth Day and happy Pesach! And until next time. I'm Jewish. Stay cock and nothing yeah. yum. Go shit in the ocean. Yum's the word.